Welcome everyone to episode six of the Expanding Life podcast. Jared B. Singer, beautiful man to my left, and myself, Ryan Roach. Guys, we're excited to continue to communicate with you through the big screen. And we've got some hot topics that we want to dive into today. One of which was actually an appendage of something that we kind of stumbled across last week. What was that, Jared? Yeah, uh, we, had, we reacted to a video uh, from somebody taught, somebody mentioned, uh, don't do door to door sales, right? Yeah. Uh, we've seen as well, like kind of a recurring theme, typically almost always people have never done door to door, don't know anything about it. Say, Oh, don't do door to door. It's not effective. It's not good. Or it's not ethical. Yeah. It's not good. Or, or some people just think it's a cheap way out, right? Yeah. You don't have any other dollars or ideas, so go door to door, yeah. right? Which I think if you take a peek into a lot of companies that are successful with it, it's actually been a very intentional marketing strategy from the start. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. absolutely. Uh, I think too, it's an easy out for people when they don't want to do something that's difficult or challenging or hard. It's a lot easier for them to just place blame on an external circumstance. And so for them, it's really easy to say, Oh yeah, door to door is not for me. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to cheat people. Totally. Yeah, make it bad or yeah. unethical or yep. shady, and then and then yeah, it gives you a way out because well, clearly, I this is a moral decision mm-hmm. I'm making, right? Which is just a better excuse to really mask that you're probably just a little fearful, yeah. scared, yeah. right? Yeah, we've even seen this in recruiting meetings too. Yeah, we've even seen it in recruiting certain individuals. You'll we'll go through their their, their resume and we'll see kind of job after job after job after job. And we'll ask them the powerful questions of, okay, well, let's address the elephant in the room. Why have you had so many different jobs in the last three years, four or five years? And sometimes the red flags, at least for me, is when a lot of these, a lot of these uh, people are obviously applying for a job. They bring up, well, the companies I've been, all of them, they kind of paint broad brush. brush. <laughs> yeah, yeah, with the broad brush broad brush all these companies are unethical or their practices or this or that or the other i just don't trust them right um i feel like i've almost found in my career that people that bring up um ethics and honesty like too much like they're almost pushing it is because they themselves are not ethical yeah yeah it's weird i do great business how how big of a red flag is that oh totally one of the first things out of their mouth oh man look at my business is so clean Mm -hmm. i do the cleanest business yeah i have never had anyone bring that up unless that was an actual concern it's like it's It's beating the news home yeah yeah Yeah. it's like the company that that names themselves honest and truthful (laughs) solar honest and truthful co it's like Mm. Run for the hills. Yeah, run for the, exactly. I feel like you're pushing it a little too much. But it does beg the question, like, cool, are, are there are there companies and people that are obviously unethical in door-to-door? Uh, of course there are. Yeah, there's bad actors, right? And unfortunately, it, it sucks because it, it can kind of ruin it for everybody. Mm. You know, you see certain companies that are representing a certain product in an area and you know, they start doing things in ways they shouldn't write unethical business practices. And next thing you know, it, it gets its way around the neighborhood and everybody thinks that anyone representing, you know, insert product here, pest control, security, solar, 
windows, roofing, whatever it is that now all of those companies that are associated with that product or service are bad, right? So it's, it's one of those things that there's, and, and maybe people that fall into these traps don't really care that it's not just you, you're ruining it for your company, you're ruining it for potentially an entire industry in that area. And if you really believe that it's something that's good for the consumer, I mean, that, that kind of sucks, yeah. you know? Yeah, I would find it really challenging to find a whole swath of in of an industry or a product or a company or like this this subset of the industry a whole industry to be all unethical or dishonest. Yeah, of course. I think there are great companies, great models, great business models no matter what it is. Yeah. Right? I've of heard course. heard some people say, "Oh, well insurance that's a scam." Or yeah. insert any industry, yeah. any business. Oh, it's a, it's like that is just, it's so cheap. It's so yeah. easy to do it. I would submit if somebody says something like that, they've probably tried insurance sales and they themselves weren't successful. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, oh, I'm going to name, name that scam like you're talking about before. And so we've seen that even in solar where it doesn't work out for somebody and it's really easy to say, oh, well, you know, it's just, uh, I, I, I could have done it. I could have been really successful at it, but it was just so unethical. Yeah. And I'm just above that. Totally. You know? Yeah. 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 And, and the, and the reality is, is that you can make those decisions, you know, like I, I think most of us have some level, level of moral compass that even if we happen to have a trainer or some leader manager, right. That might steer us down a path that we shouldn't, we usually know when we're BSing someone Mm -hmm. and we don't, you know, and, and I, you know, you even hear, I guess, let me talk for Ryan for a second, because in case this isn't popular, but a lot of times some of the strategies that have become pretty commonplace in sales in general, I they're still to me just a little slimy, right? And, and what I mean by that is it's just not it's not quite as authentic as it really could be. Mm-hmm. You know, like for example, even the going and, and calling your manager, right? I'm gonna go call my manager and I'm gonna get this deal for you because I really care about you and I love you and I really want you to do that. I get that it's a strategy, but I guess the older that I've I've you know I've gotten, I I think that there's ways to accomplish that without having it to be something that actually really isn't true. Like yeah. I, I think in sales, like it, you're never gonna go wrong in trying to be as absolutely forthright as you possibly can. Now that still doesn't mean that we're not going to follow the way to communicate in sales psychology is steering the customer down a path where you can give them all of the benefits before you reveal the investment or the cost, right? And that means that you're going to use strategy to sidestep things, move through things, all with the intention that you're eventually going to roll out all the information for them. And some people would even call that dishonest or shady or whatnot. And that's not true, right? But there's a huge difference in that and going, you know what, I'm going to call my manager. Hey, guess what? For you guys today, I'm able to do this, right? I think that there's ways to arrive to that same type of feeling you're trying to transfer to a customer without having to do that. Because at the end of the day, this is what I would stand by. I think, in fact, I know that people can feel an energy about you. They can feel an aura about you. And they can tell a huge difference when you're playing them and when they're not simply by the energy that you portray. We know that sometimes we say certain things and might be a little bit of BS to it. So and I get that none of us are perfect, but I think as much as we can try to keep things on the up and up, I just think it bodes better for us. Um, I think that there's more joy in what we do 
and we're able to transfer a better experience to our customers. Yeah. You're, what you speak to is integrity, yeah. right? Yeah. So obviously ethics, ethics is more so the external term we use uh, in the business world. Even, yeah. I, guess it, I guess it could be applied religiously as well. Um, but the way I look at it, the, the deeper topic here is integrity, right? What you speak to. And I feel like what you said is spot on. The more that you're in integrity with yourself and you can feel good about what you're doing, the more that energy is going to be powerfully translated and transferred to the customer. We know that we know that's what sales are. It's a transfer of energy or a transfer of emotion. Yep. I remember this guy I used to sell with and every single day was his birthday, at least to customers. <laughs> and he would like was he also a Packers fan and a Patriots fan and a Lions exactly. fan and a Bears fan yeah, yeah. and a Jets fan oh, yeah. and a Steelers yeah. every sports fan yeah. even if he didn't know the sport oh he was a fan of it yeah. you know <laughs> and like it it like once again I felt like slimy you know like it's just it didn't have integrity with it like every single day oh yeah it's my birthday today. It's my birthday. And he would be dead serious about it with his customers, you know? And I, I think some people can look at that and they'll, they'll laugh like, Oh yeah, there's probably a lot of stuff like that, that people do in sales too. Like you kind of, whatever sports team, they say, I'm a huge fan of it, you know? And this, and I get it. It's fun. It's like, you're being playful, whatever. Some things are not as big of a deal as others, but it, I just, it, it stopped me though. And I, I had this thought where, if he's so casual about telling customers it's his birthday every single day, what else in his life is he being so casual about yeah. that is actually really affecting him? Yeah, you know, totally. This yeah. was years ago. I don't know where he's at now. He's in prison. He's probably, probably yeah. in prison. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> but I just would, once again, I would challenge somebody who even has those sorts of sales tactics and just challenge your thought and challenge your thinking of, is that really benefiting you? Is that helping you? Yeah. And... Not only that, but then take it a step further. What is it doing to actually hurt you? Totally. And where does that road lead down? Because I know, not to use this common term, but slippery slope. Yeah. It can be a really slippery slope. Yeah. First of all, you're justifying that it's your birthday every single day. It's a little lie. Yep. And then all of a sudden now you're justifying way worse things to your customers. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the things that this kind of strikes a chord uh, w with me uh, is in is in reference to what what the industry is called deceptive business practices, yeah. right? Um, a lot of times what occurs is customers say yes, thinking that some of the things that you told them were actually true because they trusted you, they believed you. But if they would have known all the information, there's a good chance they probably wouldn't have moved forward, mm -hmm. right? And so unfortunately, this is kind of the ugly side you sometimes see with direct sales, but, you know, lawsuits occur and... You know, companies get in trouble with uh, different states, attorneys general, right? They start coming down uh, and and in many ways putting companies in, in bad positions because of a few bad actors. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, I think a lot of times sales reps get in the mindset that they have to say this or they can't be successful, yeah. right? And a lot of that is transferred down from a manager or from an experienced rep who is getting a result that they desired, Okay, cool. If you do it like this, this is this is how you how you become successful, right? But most of the time is as I have had a chance to kind of peel back the layers, it doesn't have to be like that. Like you don't have to say it that way mm. to be successful. You know, it, 
during a significant stage of my career in direct sales, I worked with home security and smart home. And a lot of times if a customer already had some type of service, right, it was kind of something that you wanted to do or people that would encourage you to do is kind of let them think that you're with their current company, mm. right? And, and, and try to build that trust. And then, you know, 11th hour go, oh, just, just kidding. It's actually this, right? And I just never really saw how that was really beneficial. Like what's, what's amazing is I would see some people who were even better at selling those types of customers and they would actually start off, go, Hey, just so you know, I'm with so-and-so, um, we're actually a competitor, but that's why I'm here is we're actually here to win your business. Mm. Right. And they would be way more successful than the people that might be saying, saying something that isn't quite forthright, you know? So I, I guess I would just challenge and, and challenge yourself if you feel like you've fallen into some of those traps and look around the room enough. And I guarantee you, there's always people that are doing it the right way and still, still getting an incredible result. Cause it's just, it just ain't worth it. Right? Like go and look back on your sales career. And if you feel like there are certain people that have your product and service because you deceived them, I just don't know. It's a legacy that I want to leave. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so it's interesting. So we're talking about bad actors, right? We're talking about these sales reps. We kind of all know them. These sales reps that have just, just no, for one reason or another, they're kind of consistently out of integrity and they lie, whatever they need to do to get the sale. Yep. So let me ask you a question then. Do you feel like it's either, and maybe it's not just to two buckets, but for that sales rep or for that person, do you feel it's like, either a they're just delusional they don't know that they're dishonest um and nobody's told them mm -hmm. or do you think b they're aware of it and they're just like well i'm too lazy to change it i don't want to do it the right way how i'm doing it is at least getting me so far so i'm going to continue to do this and hope i don't get caught yeah yeah i, th I think that there's actually a few variations of that yeah when you're a brand new rookie um I think we could, a lot of us can look back on our first year and go, ah, I remember being taught that. I don't know if I would do that anymore, sure. right? Like I can think of specific customers that I sold with a certain way, um, with information that I received from a leader or another experienced rep, and it wasn't how it actually was. But mm -hmm. I believed it because like I had no reason not to, you know? Yeah. So I think there's that, but I think that's probably the smaller minority. I think oftentimes along the way, people pick up some, some bad habits and they convince themselves that if I were to take it away, it all goes away. Mm -hmm. Right? Like yeah. I have to have this. It's almost mm -hmm. like a drug. Like if I, if I don't sell it with this, I, I can't sell it. You know, and until you have a leader that really cares about them and puts their arm around them, and not only that, but you show them a better way to do things, they're going to continue to fall in that habit over and over and over and over again. You know, it, it, brings, um, it brings up an interesting story. Um, this, man, dates me. I always have the dates. I don't know why. Like 2008. But this was in 2008. Um, but a, a sales rep that was actually a really talented sales rep, he came out as a rookie, and this was actually his second year but really talented, really gifted, could, did not need any gimmicks or tricks or dishonesty to get a great result. But he learned from other sales reps that if he would, if he had a customer that didn't want to pay the monthly bill, that he would put billing 
uh, or sorry, I should, I should say manual billing or paper billing. Mm. So they basically send the bill to you, the invoice to you in the mail. And what he learned is that by the time that that account charged back, like there was several months of default that he was long gone and had all of his commission and, it, and they could never get it back from him. So what he would do is he would basically set up manual billing, have the manual bill come to his apartment. Oh gosh. And there obviously there was no quality control, no. but all of a sudden company catches wind of this three months in. So he's, you know, he's only got probably another month, month and a half maybe um, until he's done with his summer sales cycle. Right. And it, they come to him and they tell him and they're like, like they actually give him a, a second chance. I can't believe they did, but they did. They give him a second chance. They said, Hey, if you can do things the right way going forward, we'll work through this and we'll find a way to forgive it at some point. And he goes out for a couple weeks, comes back to his manager, which was a good friend of mine said, I just, I can't not do it. Mm -hmm. I can't not do it. Like I just, I get to a point where I know all I have to do is to make this money thing go away and they will say yes. I mean, and that's, so deceptive there is no intention for that customer ever to pay anything but he just got to a point where he fell he was you know down such a rabbit hole that he couldn't get out of it and so fortunately i mean fortunately for him to kind of i guess save himself out of a a, a life of, of bad decisions when it came to that he just got out of the sales industry completely mm. he just couldn't control himself it's almost like a drug it's crazy yeah. i think like anything you know a couple bad decisions done over and over again leads to a trend, which can then lead to a habit. And sometimes like any habit, you don't have any way or don't know any way to dig yourself out of it. Yeah, you're right. It, 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 <laughs> I've never thought of it like that. It is a drug though. Like, because not, on, not only are they in the habit of the bad actions when they're with the customer, right? And being able to get the sale, but then they get the sales and then they have the dopamine hit. Yep. So it's literally the same thing as yeah, a drug. Totally. Because they're still getting that dopamine hit. They're getting that high that they turned what they felt was an impossible situation into a possible situation, you know? So it goes back to what we were talking about before in the very beginning to where it's like, no matter what it is, um, you can take a good thing and you can turn it into a bad thing. Yeah. Depending upon how you do it. And um, we always talk about too, like how you earn your money, how you make your money matters, you yeah. know? Um, once again, if you want to be able to live a powerful life, if you want to be able to have integrity, you can't live a life thinking, oh, I can compartmentalize this part of it and it's not going to affect these other areas of life. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We even talk about this. You talk about drugs. We even talk about this with addictions too. Yeah. Like people that kid themselves, oh, I can have this terrible addiction over here, yeah. but I can still have an awesome family life, an awesome relationship. I can keep it together and work. I can keep it together mentally and keep it together physically and it won't affect it. It's yeah. Like, that is the first biggest lie. Totally. Well, you know, interesting, if you've had a chance to look at any of uh, Tiger Woods documentaries, um, the one I think specifically on HBO doesn't necessarily put him in as good of light as others do, but that was one of the interesting things they talk about in the documentary was Tiger's, you know, was he when he was going through his run of infidelity and whatnot, um, that he did such a good job compartmentalizing, mm. right? Like he could go and go on a Vegas weekend bender and then the next next week go win a major, you know? Mm. But even for Tiger Woods, who was complimented for that, it eventually caught up to him in a significant way, yeah. you know, and, and really kind of changed the course of his career from 
from what it was. So, um, anyway, yeah, I, I, I think it's one of those things that we, we fool ourselves in thinking that this is sustainable. Totally. I can keep telling this lie forever, but it's not. Yeah. At some point it catches up to you every time. That's the funny thing with life too. I feel like if you are working at something to progress and grow towards something, whether you want it to or not, you're asking for progress. You're asking to do something big. You're asking for growth because of that life in one way or another is going to shine a light in those dark places. You don't want to look totally. And you think, Oh, I'm fine. I'm okay over here. I I got this. I'll handle over here. Yeah. And like with you give the example, Tiger Woods, obviously when that broke, it was very public. Oh yeah. Right. Like, yeah. I'm sure the way that it broke was not how Tiger no. would have wanted yeah. to be handled, you know. Yeah. And so a nine iron to the escalate. <laughs> exactly. Not, not the way. Not not the way. <laughs> not the way at all. So but that's like the same thing for life too. Obviously Tigers is a big example, but how are maybe there's little things to where it kind of keeps showing up in your life. Maybe it's in your relationship, maybe it's in your body, your fit physical fitness, mental fitness, maybe it's in your work. Maybe those little things that are showing up kind of consistently and then you kind of just push them aside, you yeah. know, but I do think there's a great, there's great power in those things because it's probably something that you need to learn Yeah, that you're just choosing to shy away. Yeah, from totally. And, and, and like you said, like it, once again, slippery slope, right? So small things first that can, then you're cool with breaking bigger rules. Mm-hmm. Right. But what an opportunity, yeah. like what an opportunity to recognize it when the stakes are so small. Yeah. Right. Maybe you cheated on a test right mm. or maybe you know something so insignificant like you were supposed to do 10 reps of this or 10 reps of that in the gym yeah. and you go i'm good with eight right like look for opportunities where you can live into integrity mm-hmm. right and and know where those 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 parts of your life are where you're starting to slip but yeah like win the game when the stakes are small yeah so that that becomes the habit when they're big, right? And a lot's on the line. Right now, try to, to see those wins and those victories when the stakes are small and something that might be really insignificant, you know, and and get really good at creating a habit around that. So when the when the stakes are the highest, that you have a, a family that, that depends on you for their well-being, right? And, and you have to make a decision which... I can fudge something or I can steal something because my, my family's life depends upon it. You already have that integrity, knowing that the principle will always serve you more than ever breaking your word in any given situation. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's funny. Funny you mentioned like integrity. When I was little, I learned about this. Uh, I don't know like why this <laughs> thought part of my head, but I learned about this principle and it's always stuck with me. But the word, you know, growing up uh, was virtue. Right. And I remember reading this line somewhere and it talked about how virtue is the, you know, the ability to make the right decision when no one is looking. Yeah. And I remember like that hit me like a ton of bricks. It really lives in, it really is integrity as well. Totally. And I I love what you said there about how it's when the stakes are small, right? When it's just really small, no one is looking, right? Are you the type of person that is going to still make the right decision? Yeah. Even when no one is looking. And it's even like, like not letting yourself down. Yeah. Right. Like I I brought up the gym analogy, but it can be whatever Mm. it's, it's not letting yourself down. And that once again is maybe the start to live in integrity, which is first of all, honoring yourself, right. Respecting yourself. And then obviously working out there, you know, outward from there to the other people you interact with. I love how these principles all tie into each other. Cause it's like, you talked about how it starts with ourselves 
And it's like, we always talk about that, even like, even to bring it back to sales too. We even talk about how, if you're going to start with a company, if you're going to start with a product and you want to, you want to go and transfer that energy, that motion to another customer and to be able to make a sale. It's like, what do we talk about first? We talk about first the person that is uh, being the vessel for that product or that service has to be a 10 out of 10 on belief themselves. Yep. So it starts with themselves first. Once again, this goes back to integrity. You can't go out and sell something really successfully over a long period of time. That's really winning the game and thinking, oh, well, what I'm selling is total BS. It doesn't yep. work. And think that you're going to be successful or reach the pinnacle of success. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that belief system is absolutely critical. And so, you know, I... I think a lot, I think most products and services, you can have that belief system about it, right? Like maybe someone else isn't selling it the way that it should be, but mm. you can learn how to sell it the right way. You know, I think, I think there's very few products out there unless it's like, you know, some type of snake venom salesman, you know, type of thing. Um, but I think most products out there you can sell with integrity. It's just a matter of, of being trained properly to do that, asking the right questions, and then just you yourself being absolutely committed to that. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I, I think then if you can't see a pathway to selling something honestly, right, with integrity, then then maybe you need to go find a new industry, yeah. right? But I think I think most people be rest assured. I think there's a way to always sell something the right way. Absolutely, and yeah. around this out. It feels so much better doing right by people. Totally. It oh, feels yeah. so good being able to take care of somebody. And when you get those messages, not maybe the, a day later, but weeks, months, a year, two years later, yeah. said, hey, thank you so much, right? I Or you have the positive five-star review, or you get the nice text message, or you get this, that, or the other. Or even if they even find an opportunity to where they did talk to somebody else that was unethical and they came back to you and said, I love how you do business. Yeah. I just value and appreciate that so much more. Yes. Like I think that for me is worth way more than any other dishonest sales or dishonest revenue that you could get. Yeah. You know? And so of course. I think just thinking more so long-term of like build, build your integrity, build a foundation that's built on integrity. Yeah. It's going to help set you up long-term for success. Yep. It's going to pay back massive dividends and don't expect to have this massive return tomorrow or the totally. next day. Yeah. Just trust that it is the best and most right thing that you can for, do. For sure. It might show up in 10 years, you know, typically how you handle your customers yeah. um, is quickly seen by the company, mm -hmm. which then gives them confidence that they can give you stewardship over more responsibility a lot of times over potentially other sales reps i feel like it goes hand in hand with the opportunities that you'll have as a leader right and then if if you want those types of positions you know like you have jared where you are responsible and have the stewardship over an entire sales force oh my gosh like the amount of trust the companies have to have in someone like you to be able to know that hey behind closed doors i know Jared is going to take really good care of our people, our customers, our salespeople. He's going to train them on how to do things the right way. Like that's just not going to happen mm. if you start your career off by being deceptive to the very first person and first people you interact with, which is your customers, right? So, so like you said, yeah, that, that legacy might, might not fully pay off until a decade from now, but man, I feel like Every time it's totally worth it. Yeah. And the foundation of that is trust. In order yeah. for customers to trust you, 
you have to first build trust with yourself and know that I have belief in what I'm doing. I have my, I have belief in the ability in my ability to be able to go out and produce yep. good results. Right. Yep. And I can do it in a trustworthy manner with integrity. And then obviously you can build a foundation from there, but it's got to start with you. Yeah. So awesome. Uh, guys, gals, that rounds out this part of the podcast as we move on to our next part, which is a Q and a section. Q&A segment. So the first question for today, how has your growth in sales expanded other areas of your life? Mm. I think sales opens the door. Uh, if, if like, look, not every sales job is created equal. I, I think there's a lot of sales jobs out there which are kind of gimmicky. They're like, it's like a pitch, right? And as long as you can teach every single person how to give that pitch, then you can see a, a relatively decent amount of success. But I think when you really understand it, you know, meaning that you're, you're selling a product that allows for you to dive into books that teach sales principles and you're using those strategies. I think what really gets unlocked there is the, is the understanding of psychology, which is the language that we all use uh, we all, we all use as human beings. A lot of times we just don't understand how to speak that language or when it's being spoken to us, but psychology is so much a part of the way that we like to be communicated to and not be communicated to. Right. And that's where I feel like it's made, at least in my own life, it's had, it's had one of the most powerful impacts. Right. If I, if I, you know, see someone communicating things in a certain way, I know how that will probably land, right? Or if I'm doing that, mm -hmm. right? I think it just gives you also kind of some social awareness that there's no other way you would have that, right? Um, so I don't know, that's, that's how I see it applying. Yeah. yeah, it forces you to level up. I mean, if you look at other careers, not that there's anything wrong with those jobs or other careers, yeah. but it's like, if you're gonna go and be, let's just say you're gonna go be an architect, or an electrical engineer, yeah. right? A trade, any other job, like you're probably not going to go to school and study for years. If you're going to go be an architect, you're not going to go and study for years on mindset, yeah, or communication, or communication. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're just not. You're gonna probably you're gonna spend your time learning your core competency, right? And so, obviously, the way the education system is set up, to where if you're going to be an architect, it, mindset's probably going to be dead last or yeah. psychology of humans is going to be dead last. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, now doesn't mean if you're not, if you want, if you're going to go be an architect, you want to be the best freaking architect you can possibly be. You should probably go and learn mindset. Right. Cause like we've talked about in other segments, if you're going to be, if you want to grow to be the best person you can be in your, in your trade or career, you got to learn sales because you're yeah. always selling. Yeah. Right. Even in job interviews, no matter what it is. Uh, I think for me personally, I think Ryan, Ryan you know, hit the nail on the head. I think for me personally, it's put me in a position where it forces you to grow. If you want to, if you want to learn, if you want to develop and become better and really get out of any pain you're experiencing, well, that requires you to be self-aware, you know? And I remember learning this topic, you know, I've, I've said this before, but Gary Vaynerchuk talks about first step is being, you know, self-awareness, being self-aware. And I remember the beginning part of my, of my sales career, wow, I really don't like those days that I don't sell. I really don't like not selling. 
And so there's pain there, right? And so you are forced into this position where I can't look to the left. I can't look to the right. Nobody else is going to go knock the door for me. No one else is going to go sell the deal for me. I know it's all up to me. So because of that, I had to go and level up. So I think it's, it does benefit you in your communication skills, right? And being self-aware, you might realize like, wow, I, I can be kind, kind of a beast to deal with yeah. when I feel this way. Yeah. And that's going to benefit your relationship, right? With your significant other or your kids, you know, yeah. uh, or you learn, you know what? I've learned um, really charismatic people are, are, you know, charisma is a great attribute or yeah. skill to have. It's attractive. It's attractive. Yeah. So then that also, that uh, maybe, you know, helps to benefit, maybe helps you to be more, uh, you know, to be more pleasant around with your friends, yeah. right? Or with your kids or with your family. So I think if you're wanting to level up, I think almost every area of sales is going to benefit you. And yeah, I could probably life. talk about this for an hour. Oh, Should yeah. maybe 100%. consider it for a podcast yeah. topic. Whoever sent this in. Yeah, good it's question. a great one. Good so many benefits. Yeah, definitely. Okay, question two. If you could only give one book to someone when they enter sales, what would it be? I would say How to Master the Art of Selling Tom Hopkins. Mm, great one. Um I mean, if I just look back at kind of my early years and, you know, I was fortunate that the company that I worked with had a lot of really great training that was specific to the product and service that we were selling, which obviously really applicable. But I remember like going through um, Tom Hopkins' book. I just remember thinking like principle after principle, chapter after chapter, like like so applicable in in what we're doing, you know, and, and, what, yeah. and, and specifically in the direct sales world, like I... I can't tell you how many times that I would take strategies from that book mm. and then go take a couple extra seconds and go, okay, how does that apply to what I'm doing? Right. And, and, it, and, you know, I've, I've gotten so much traction out of that book because, uh, what I would do, uh, oftentimes. So if you look at a traditional summer sales model, you're, you're selling during the summer and then there were like extension programs that you could do. If like, hey, maybe I didn't make my goals or, or maybe I wanted more from this experience or maybe I'd had a bad experience. I want to make up for that bad experience. Oftentimes when you're training and teaching those people, they've kind of heard it all, right? Yeah. They've talked about the door approach 17,000 times. Who wants to talk about it again? But I remember pulling so much from that book of fresh material that was really applicable. And I would just ask myself like, okay, cool. This is a great principle. How would I apply that in what we're doing? Um, and there were so many golden nuggets that I felt like I was able to not only feed myself with, but feed those other uh, those other reps that I had a privilege to work with. So yeah, that's a great, that's a fantastic answer. Um, gosh, it's really hard to pick just. There's one. so many good ones. Yeah, like I, I'm thinking back to my early in my career when I started. Like I know I'll, I devoured the Brian Tracy books. You yeah. Know? Um, psychology of selling is a really yeah. really good um if i had to pick one i'd say actually it's a more recent one that actually i've read um that i think is really really good i feel like it's really all-encompassing uh but the ultimate sales machine by chet holmes um what once again it's not one that i read in the, my early part of my career so my answer yeah. would probably change but this one is good because i feel like it gives you a, a whole overlook of really how to become a great salesperson and just thinking more so not just you as a sales rep, but looking at the entire picture. Yeah. So it also keeps in mind your growth, your your career, your trajectory. He even talks about in the book. Even talks about how to how to um, hire a plus star talent. You know. 
So even things like how you show up in certain meetings uh, matters, right? With your prospects, even when you go into interview for a new job. So it really gives you a beautiful framework uh, for you to be able to start in sales, like entry-level sales. It's really good for that. But then also helps you to where as you want to level up in your career, as you become a leader, as you become a manager. Uh, I think it really is a good book to help you throughout every stage of your career. So it's awesome. Cool.